I'm Corey Williams. I'm Nick Medellinos. And together we bringing you up front. We're going to touch on culture, food, fashion, great stories, hip-hop, my life, basketball. We're even going to be giving some advice. It's going to be beautiful. This is Up Front. Hello and welcome to episode three of Up Front. I'm Corey Williams and this is Nick Medellino. Sir. And we are here to bring you more fire. That's all I'm going to tell you, more fire. Brother, what's going on? Man. As you can probably tell by the sound of my voice, I'm uh, I'm starting to lose it a little bit, actually, Corey. But uh, apologies to our viewers, you know, and our and our listeners. They're going to get the husky version of Nick Medellinos today. But before we get into it, I do want to give a, a a shout out of sorts to my nephew, right? Because I know he's going to be watching this. Right. Right. He's the one that made me sick over a week ago. So Jonathan, uh. right? Listen to Uncle Nick's voice right now. This is why you don't cough in my face in the future. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. I kind of thought it was maybe, you know, I know you got a lot of females you're seeing at the moment. And, you know, just dropping so much lyrics over the last week made you lose your voice. I wish it was that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Outside of that, everything cool. Everything's cool, man. You know, it is what it is. man. We just keep it moving, keep it busy and keep it moving. You know what that's like, man. Yeah, Yeah, man. Grind don't stop, baby. Growth don't stop, but you you managed to put in a bit of fun in that as well. Like I, you you managed to turn work and into fun, man. Like I saw you last week at Sneakerland. Ooh, right now I know you were there for work, right? But I saw your IG stories. I, you know, you look like you're having quite a bit of fun there as well. Like, tell us a bit about that, man. What what happened at Sneakerland last week? I'm gonna tell you one thing before we get into Sneakerland, which was <laughs> incredible. Um, I've always tried to set life up as and live by this one theme I'm gonna say, one saying. Create a life you don't need a vacation from. So, you know, that's what I've attempted to do throughout all of these years. So I just love to have fun and why not put yourself in a position where you can get paid to do it. So that's the end of that. And uh, let's get into Sneakerland, which was absolutely incredible. Shout out to my brother, Jamal Diallo, who is the CEO and founder of Sneakerland, it was incredible. What Sneakerland is, for those who don't know what it is, is it's a sneaker convention. Yeah. Um, we all know it's if not a it's a multi-billion dollar industry. It's a, almost probably a trillion dollar industry. Sneaker culture has gone gang bust in the last, I'd say, like decade. Yeah, don't I know and, about it? And yeah, yeah, yeah. You, a lot of your checks go go to your footwear. But um, it was incredible for the first time it ever hit um melbourne they did it in perth before it was a success they did it in rac arena and um they did it right now in the convention center last weekend it was epic shout out to foot locker the nbl was involved in it as well foot locker we had a half court where we did a three-point contest free throw contest for kids and adults and the dunk contest yeah. which was epic shout out to all the dunkers that came out um, they really put on a show. It was fantastic. Did you judge that as well? Yeah, I was. Yeah. I was a judge. Yeah, I was a judge, and obviously, with you know my role with Foot Locker, we held on the basketball court as well. So it was it was a great look. What was the best dunk that you saw there? Um, the winner jumped over a guy and uh, like windmilled it. It was it was it was crazy. Okay. Another the, the the second place player, um, solo jumped over a guy and dunked it backwards. It was it was sick. These, yeah. these guys, they put on. They put on. And what about the, uh, you know, obviously it was a sneaker convention first and foremost. Dude. 
Like, what were the the stalls like? What was, what kind of heat did you see there? The, there was there was you know you're gonna see your AJ ones. You're gonna see. I even saw a pair of cars. They had a silent auction. They had the cars, Jordans. They had Dior, yeah. AJ ones. We know how hard it is to get those. They had the Chicago's. Um, a couple people even had the lost and founds that came out. Uh, I'm sure we'll get into that shortly. <laughs> Thank you. We started on but, that uh, glory. <laughs> I saw I saw nothing but fire. You know, yeah. you saw a New Balance 550s with a lot of the suede tip and suede's on the back. You know, obviously you saw your Yeezys. You saw you saw everything. Yeah. You pretty much saw all the sneakers that are sold out everywhere, and the only place you can get them are at those exclusive boutiques. Yeah. So shout out to all the exclusive boutiques that came down. I think it hit record numbers. The numbers in Melbourne beat the numbers as far as fan, uh, pedestrians and customers and sneaker connoisseurs that beat, they, I think they beat the number in Perth. Yeah, I could say that. So um, it was really, really yeah. epic. The line was, it was crazy. Uh, I didn't get a chance to come down. It was crazy. I, I was sick last weekend. Yeah. But, you know, the thing is with these sorts of conventions, we this is probably the first of its kind, right? Because I don't remember any, especially at this level. I mean, we've had like sneaker fairs and right. all that sort of stuff down here, but a convention at the size of this thing, I don't think we've ever had before, right? And you see what happens in America and obviously the sneaker culture in America. Right. Like you're from New York. I lived in New York. I know what the sneaker culture is like in New York. Like people judge your outfit from the bottom up. Right? <laughs> no doubt. Um, that's where it all really started. Uh, it's New York. New York is the birthplace of a lot of different things. But when it comes to style, fashion, and culture, um, we are in the forefront. You know, we, what we co-signed and what we agreed on as a culture is what pushed out in the universe. Everybody pretty much copied and emulated us as best as they could. Um, we... How can I say this? I make shoe contact before I make eye contact. Facts. I will, whether it's right or wrong, it is what it is. I am going to basically judge you based on what sneaker or shoe you're wearing. Yeah. That's the power of your footwear. It's crazy. And these in New York, right? And I noticed that- And that's I'm not just me. That's just New Yorkers. Yeah. Cause I was the sneaker say, game is whack. Yo, listen, I'm going to go here with it. All right, let's go. Let's say you see a beautiful woman. And, 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 and for me, I'm using me as an example. I see a beautiful woman. When I approach her, I'm looking at her shoes first. I don't care how incredible she looks. If the shoes ain't right, I ain't rocking with yeah. her. That means all that other stuff, it ain't right. Yeah. I ain't even wasting my time. <laughs> when I was on, when I was in the game, I'm yeah. off, I'm not in the game anymore. <laughs> but when I was in the game, in if your shoes life. ain't right, it ain't even no point talking. There's no conversation. Vice versa. Yeah. Your shoes do the talking before it introduces you, before you do, yeah. before your mouth does. It's true, because I was going to make the point about, you know, New Yorkers and, and when you're on the train, and especially if it's packed and you're hanging on to one of the things, and everyone's just constantly looking down, right? You know, everyone's always looking down to see what's on the feet of other people. And you always get that, you know, like, yeah, I, yeah. if you know, you know. Type you know, of, you, you know. know, you know? <laughs> I'm going to give you a quick example of how impactful your sneaker game is. A couple years ago, single Corey. I'm in a. I know this is a story, but this is not the Corey story. <laughs> yeah. we'll get I'm to just going to tell you the example of how impactful 
the sneakers are. So I'm at a bar. I'm at the W, actually, right? W Melvin. And uh, real swanky spot, of course. In there with my homeboy. And we talking. And I look to my left, and there's a female with a brother at the bar. I ain't really paying no attention to, you just observing the surroundings. The brother moves, because he was sitting next to me and the female was next to him. He goes to the bathroom or something, and I'm looking at the floor and I look down and I saw her sneakers. She had on a pair of low cut Nike shocks that were like, like I was in love with these sneakers and I had them. Yeah. Low cut, all black shocks with the silver, with the red uh, tips on the, on the yeah, shoe. We'll, yeah. we'll show this in it. Yeah. This sneaker was elite. It was almost equivalent to like the 95 Air Maxes. Mm. Like these sneakers were fire. And I was like, do you know what you're wearing? <laughs> I was like, do you know what you have on your feet? <laughs> and I was just enamored. And, and she had me at that point. Yeah. If she wanted me, like I was just that locked in. And it was like, she must know what's up if she's wearing those. Yeah. That's the impact of the shoe game. It's just my story with shoes, just so you understand the depth and the level of how we we go about this. Speaking of shoe games, hmm. right? I still want to touch on that lost and found <laughs> release. Right? Shout out to yo. Listen, let's talk about these lost and found. Right, let's talk about the lost. Then and we found. can go where you want to go. All right, can I go on a rant right now? You got the floor. All right, listen. I know I've been buying sneakers, wearing sneakers my whole life, right? And I get where it's gotten to today with all these raffles and, you know, stuff like that. I entered 12 raffles, man. Wow. 12. 12. And I didn't win. In the win. world or in Australia? Somewhere international as well. Wow. And I didn't win one. Damn. Right? I did not win one. And funny thing is- the Tell me about these sneakers though, like so some people who so don't know it, what the Lost the, and Founds are. The Lost and Found Jordan 1s was basically the Chicago color blocking of the original Air Jordan 1, but it was given like a vintage aged look to make it look like it's been lost right. and found. And, found, <laughs> right? and look, I love Jordan 1s. I've always right. loved Jordan 1s. I, you know, I only wear Nike and Jordan. Right? So, so speaking of Nike and Jordan, sorry to cut you off. Yeah. For these people who don't know the viewers that don't know what your sneaker game is like, what are you wearing right now? You gotta uh, put your feet up because they can't see. Uh, we, we, okay. You gotta we, put it on the uh, table. <laughs> put it on the table. Throw my back out. Uh, I got the uh, Travis Scott one lows. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Fire. Something, Foot fire. Something light. Something today. light. Something light. <laughs> <for today. laughs> uh, but man, twelve raffles mm. and to not get one win for a shoe that I really, really want. Twelve raffles. You really wanted them. It was heartbreaking. That's heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking. Shout out. Well, my mine's will be here on Friday. Listen, <laughs> listen, man. Listen, and and that's what. My, I, listen, mine will be in on Friday. Listen, <laughs> shout I, out to the plug. <laughs> see, this, this is why I can't with this man, right? Because listen, let me tell you people something, right? One day, Corey, Corey's got a plug, right? Corey's got a plug. I don't know who, who he is. Who will remain nameless. Nameless. I don't know who he is. For the plug's right? sake. Go but, ahead. But listen, Corey, you you don't know what he gets until he gets them and he posts it up on Instagram, but real subtle flex. He'll be in front of a coffee shop holding a coffee, <laughs> wearing some Dior ones. <laughs> yeah. Favorite pair. My favorite pair of sneakers that I have. The Dior's? 
there's no sneaker better. Yeah. Not my collection. And I'm not even really a sneaker collection. Usually when I used to play, like I would I would get a bunch of sneakers. And when I left countries, I would leave the clothes and the sneakers all for less fortunate yeah, I've kids. Seen you do and that. I would go around, give them to the homeless people, give them to the kids because, you know, like I'm not gonna appreciate it as much as they would. Yeah. These are pretty much brand new clothes. I don't really like to repeat clothes. And clothes go out of season. So I don't really like being with, unless it's something that I really, really love. Piece, a piece or a couple pieces that I really, really love. And I consider it like timeless pieces where you can wear them regardless of what um, season it is yeah. or what year we're in. Not these. So I have a I have an associate who, let me tell you how I got that, okay. the, the Dior Joyce. Okay. I have somebody that I knew. So, can I cut you off real quick? Go ahead. Not just the Dior Jordan. He's got the off-white Jordan ones too. Mm, <laughs> mm, 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 mm. But those are easier to get yeah. than the Dior's. Like, here's what happened. There was somebody when I was playing at the height of street ball at Rucker Park. This person was a an intern. You know, wanted to interview me when we played. You know, all of this stuff, and. I always was good to this person. Yep. And they at one point had asked me for a favor and I made it happen for them. They were always appreciative of it and said if I ever needed anything, if they could help, they got me. Over a decade plus <laughs> later, this person has blown up yep. in the sneaker world. I won't say the brand they work for, I won't say anything, but you know, once it comes into marketing, it's relationships and who you yeah. know. This person now is in marketing for a football club in Europe. Big club. That's big. Big club. So, you know, and it's, we come from humble beginnings. We come from the park. And how that person has manifested what they wanted and turned it into something way bigger than they even thought it could be. Yeah. They now have access to a lot of things and they're around some of the most famous football players in the world, which means brands and, you know, it, it yeah, they're plugged in. Yeah. I knew this this whole time, <laughs> but I'm the kind of person, I don't really lean on anybody for anything. I go, whatever I need, I go get, I'll figure out a way how I go get it myself because I never want nobody to say to me, oh, if it wasn't for me, blah, blah, blah. I needed these sneakers. And I knew who they were aligned with. So I hit them up and I said, motherfucker, remember that favor you told me? Anything I ever needed, if you can make this happen, we even. And I said, I'll even pay the retail price. Yeah. Not the. Yeah. And the retail price was still like 2000 There you go. So yeah. He said, Corey, I got you. I paid the two bands for him. Mm. So that's how I, I, I got yeah, him. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like 2500 something like that. Yeah. They were worth it. I didn't give them free. Yeah. I got the retail price. That's might as well be free. And now they go for like 20K. There you go. But like, I wear them from time to time. Yeah. Like, that's my favorite pair of sneakers ever. Mm. Ever. Yes. Listen, I don't blame you. Ever. You've had a lot of sneakers, obviously of that sort of caliber, like, you know, off court lifestyle that, but you've actually had a signature shoe as well. You were first man out of the park to have a signature shoe. You had it with a brand called K1X. My which family, you, my German family. 
I gotta take my coat off for this because uh, now it's time to get serious. All right, it's time to get serious. Is, he, is this the is this the Corey story that we're coming up? Yeah, let's let this right. is the Corey story. All right, you know what? I had a crazy story, but what I want to do is I don't want people to think that my life is just all about a good time. Yeah, there's so many different sides to me. I want I don't want a Corey story to be like it was last yeah, last yeah. episode. It's yeah, gonna be gotcha, something gotcha. different. All right. You know, so. All right, so let's take a quick break. Let's take a break. And then we're gonna come back with this, the chorus. Yeah, let's, let's take a break. All right, we are back. Corey's uh, given us a quick indication of what this Corey story is gonna be today. Um, I asked him about the K1X affiliation. Corey, talk to us, man. I tell you this right now, it's either going to be wine or champagne. Somebody's going to give us a deal. We're not showing no brands love here until someone sponsors this show. I'm not even showing my water. Straight up. <laughs> so there's a lot of things that I'm proud of in my life. And one of the biggest things that I am proud of, nothing tops my daughter playing volleyball in college. Nothing tops Isabella Williams. Like, that's the goat of all. That's it, right? Yeah. But there's other things underneath that, right? One of the things that I am extremely proud of is the fact that what I have been able to create from the playground, like, this has never happened before me. It's never happened. There's no player that ever needed the park the way I did. And what I mean by that is, one of my brothers, Sham God. Shout out to Shout Sham. Out to Sham. Sham didn't need the park. He came when he wanted to, did his thing, and left. Came when he wanted to, showed up when he wanted to, and went where he had to go. He was a McDonald All-American. He was one of the best players in America, mm. which is the future of basketball in America. Yeah. From high school. From high school, you go to college, went to Providence, got drafted. That route is the typical route when you're talented. Yeah. So you're not leaning and relying on the park. Steph Marbury, shout out to Starberry, my guy. Same thing, you know what I mean? His route was McDonald's All-American, shout out to Lincoln High School. Coney Island, Coney Island finest, Georgia Tech a year, drafted. Yep. Skip, my guy, nothing but love and respect. These are point gods. Yeah. And they all were in the documentary, point gods, right? Same thing with Skip. Cardoza High School, went to Fresno City Juco, then went to Fresno State, All-American, got drafted. So these are legends in New York, mm. streetball legends in New York, but they didn't need the park. Yeah. Me? You talking about living on a prayer? I am the epitome of living on a prayer yeah. with streetball and basketball. I could not afford to fuck up one game. I couldn't afford to mess up in a game because for me it's like, this might be the break. Yeah. They could take plays off. They could miss games. That's all I had yeah. to try to figure out. 
Church. For them, it was like preordained. It was preordained. For me, it's like, you got to create this thing. So for a brand to find value in me, to come to me and offer, to not only endorse me with their brand, that's huge in itself, but give me my own signature shoe and sell it in Foot Locker globally. Billboards all over the world. Ads in magazines all over the world. If it wasn't for K1X, I don't know if I would be as comfortable in front of a camera Mm. the way I am right now. They documented like my, my streetball summers, summer homicide, K1X and homicide. That's what we did. We went to magic city trade show in Vegas showing the product. Like, let me break it down some more. All right. You know, when you go in a foot locker in these stores, you can go to grab the Jordans, grab the mellows, Grab any signature sneaker from that NBA superstar. The 187s, which is the police code for homicide, my sneaker was there as well. Yeah. In fact, I was balling in the NBL in my own sneaker and got MVP of the league. Let me tell you something. That's I'm gotta, a one of one. That, I was going to say, that's got to be the first time. There is nobody whose sneaker was sold in Foot Locker International. Mm. Coming from the park, never in the NBA. Guys have had shoe deals, but it was not a signature. Yeah. Signature is, yo, we're making a sneaker for you. Not a custom makeup. Yeah. Not a custom colorway. This is the 187s. Yeah. And it's interesting that it was a German brand that approached It was a German, German brand. Like, it didn't even come from home. It came from overseas. It did it. it, so did it. For them to recognize, like, from a completely different country... The value that you would, you know, bring to their company and and what you had done in streetball up until that point, I think is. You Yo, know, man, listen, man. Shout out to Niels, my brother. I love you, fool, Christian. I love you all. I appreciate you all. And let me tell y'all something. I got paid, and I got royalties. This ain't the type of deal where like we're jerking you, yeah, and we're gonna we're gonna basically strip you and rob you and use your image and use your likeness and you don't get nothing. Yeah. I had a four-year deal. Yeah. They was this close to sponsoring the Townsville Crocodiles. Oh, wow. People don't know that. Oh, wow. I'm trying to tell you, there ain't nothing I ain't do with this game. Yeah. I want you to like, just like, how many players in the world have a signature sneaker deal? 20 max. How many of them are in the NBA? Majority of them. All of them. them. (laughs) But one. Yeah. I'm trying to tell you the impact of this. Now flip this. Years later, that same guy with the sneaker deal from Foot Locker, from K1X that was stolen Foot Locker Global, is now creative director of basketball for Foot Locker Pacific. Mm. Yo, I can't make this up. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? I can't make this up. Yeah, the journey, man, it's... Bro, look, there ain't nothing we ain't do with this ball, man. There ain't nothing we ain't do with this ball. Only thing I don't have is about $300 million in my account. There ain't nothing I ain't do with this ball. Yeah. The three things that also that solidified it was 
ESPN came out with this, not me. Top 24, Rucker Park Legends. Slayer Magazine, top 60 greatest basketball players to ever come out of New York City. Slam. That's the Bible right there. Complex Magazine, top 25 greatest street ball players of all time. These are, I'm not making this up. These are three legitimate publications. They ain't nothing I ain't do with this ball. We've had four magazine covers all over the world covering it. You know what I mean? So like, I'm very grateful, but I also know the impact that I've had in this game. I know my legacy, my rep is A1. Can nobody ever question that? And I know that, you know, I'm proud of what I've done with with, with this game, with what I had. Look how it began. You know what I mean? Yeah. Shout out to my brother, Bone Collector. We was in the backcourt together. And shout out to my brother, Jay Monster, B. Is Wouldn't it, be here. I, Wouldn't be here. I, Wouldn't be here. Yeah, I hear you. I, I hear couldn't you. get a spot at Rucker at first. Yeah. I had no name. Came from school. I couldn't get a spot. I played at a tournament because Rucker is Monday through Thursday. Friday is the Pro Rucker Tournament. I played in that in the Polo Ground, same park. 52 I had. Mm. My man Jay Monster was like, yo, who you play with at Rucker? <laughs> I was like, I'm trying to get a spot. He's like, what? It was him and, it was him and Stick. Shout out to Stick him up. And he said to Stick like, what? He ain't got no spot at 55th at Rucker? So this is the home team, Polo Grounds. Shout out to the Polo Grounds, Block Fluid. So I said, I'm trying to get a spot. I don't have a spot. He said, my man, you playing on my team. You got three green lights. You ain't coming out the game. You shoot when you want to. Mm. I would not, listen. <laughs> Say less. I need y'all to understand. <laughs> I would not be here today if Jay Monster did not give me that spot. Eternally grateful for my brothers. Yeah. Because a lot of times there's a lot of talent, but they don't get opportunity. Yeah. And all you can do is give somebody opportunity. It's yeah. on them. After that, that's right. After that, what they do with it. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? Shout out to my family, yo. Listen, I remember those advertisements for the uh, the 187. Uh, it was a magazine back here in the day called Handle Magazine. I had to cover yeah, Handle. Handle Magazine. Shout out to Handle. Yeah. So I remember seeing those advertisements there for the people that, you know, are listening. Who had and that? Watching. Brad? Brad. Brad. Shout out to Brad. Yeah, Yo, Brad much Graham. love, my bro. Yeah. Brad Graham, yeah. no doubt. Um, for the people that are listening and watching, at, you know, at home, just, what did that shoe look like for the people that don't know? <sighs> It was it was more of a low cut. It was shoe. like a low cut shoe. Yeah. That's when like low cut shoes started, like low, off. mid, low yeah. started going. And I mean, to be honest with you, like I didn't even care what it looked like. It looked solid. It was a solid shoe. It was mid price. We couldn't price it high. Yeah, we priced it like seventy dollars, seventy five dollar yeah. level, of course. And um, the numbers that we moved in, it was moving. So I had like you get the whole pack. What you get is what a pack is: t shirt, shorts. Um, and the sneaker. So I had all of that all over Foot Locker. We had, listen, bro, we had billboards all over the world. Yeah. We was in the, Keith was a model. Yeah. <laughs> yeah shout Keith out to was Keith. one of the models. Yeah. Shout out to K-Dub the Barber. 42nd Street, big in, in store in the window. Mm. So, man, listen, man, eternally grateful. Is it, that was. Eternally grateful. I remember. I was in the NBL balling in it. I got MVP of the league. Listen, man, like, I don't really, it's just because it's, 
it's this podcast and we strolling back. Yeah. Anybody knows me, always know that I'm forward thinking. Yeah. Whatever happened in my past, I'm not one of those guys. We don't live in the past. We, I don't live yeah. in the past. Yeah, yeah. We maximize what we had to do. We became one of the greatest to ever do it in that lane, and we move forward. Mm. But since we're here talking about it, we can discuss. Yeah. And uh, that era was a wild era in terms of like, it was, I know, I remember the apparel was a little bit more loose, a little bit more baggy. All right. Bone Collector got the Reebok deal. Yeah. He had got the Reebok deal. There is something I want to bring up, right? And and there will yeah. be a picture of this for the people. Oh, looking at it, shit. Right? There Here is. we go. But we we got to talk about it, Corey, right? All because right. there was another sort of campaign, I guess, that you were involved in. Yeah. For something yeah. called the D-Band, oh, right? Now, oh for the God. people that can't see the screen and are only listening to this, <laughs> I'm going to best describe the D-Band it looked like a jock strap on your head, right? Yeah, <laughs> it looked yeah, like yeah, a yeah. now listen. Yes. There were some other big names in that campaign. Ron Artest. Jamal right? Crawford. Jamal Crawford. Eddie Curry. Jamal Mosley. Jamal Mosley. All NBL guys. I mean NBA guys. And Corey Homicide Williams. Right, before we get into that, what the hell was the D band? I know, I know. I know. <laughs> so first of all, I want to shout out to my brothers in Chicago. Shout out to D band. And I just want to give a little bit, every now and then, you know, we'll have a lot of fun on this. A lot of times it'll be lighthearted, but a lot of times on the show, I want to give you a little bit of insight on how I think inside the mind of homicide. So the platform that I had, the only platform that I had was the playground. I never sought out to be a playground legend. That was never something that I wanted to be. I wanted to be an NBA star. So I always carried myself in that manner. I knew if I could become one of the greatest badasses in streetball, playing my games on NBA TV, that would give me what? International recognition. A man with a plan. A man with a plan. And you know how we got on NBA TV, all our games? They sponsored EBC. They sponsored the EBC at Rucker. D-Band was sponsoring. No. NBA TV sponsored Rucker Park. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. They sponsored the tournament. Yeah. You know how we got all our games? There's eight teams. No, that's a lot. There's 16 teams in the tournament. Do you know how we got on NBA TV every one of our games? How? Shout out to Jay Monster, a.k.a. the Invisible Bully. My man, Bone Collector and Homicide going to play on every game. There won't be no games on Mondays if they ain't on. Oh, wow. Every game. Oh, wow. <laughs> Street ball. Yeah. My brother's going to be on that TV every game. Oh, he's looking out for you. He we played eight games you. a season. Then you go in the playoffs. We're going to be on every game on NBA TV or else ain't going to be no Mondays. (laughs) Straight up. Yeah. So with that, it gave us exposure. Exposure leads to expansion. Mm. You hear me say this a lot because that's what got me here. So with that, if you're on TV, brands going to want to rock with you. Why? Because you're more attractive. Mm. 
Do I have any brands rocking with me at that point? No. Hmm. So if a brand want to come to me and say, listen, we give you $500 a game to wear this headband. All right. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. Now I'm going to give you another example. What's the difference when uh, those A-list celebrities you see in a chicken suit in LA, those A-list, A-list actors, before they got on in the beginning, what did they have to yeah. do? They had to take bullshit jobs. That's the reality. They had to take jobs they ne they wouldn't necessarily want to take. Yeah. They had to take deals they necessarily wouldn't want to take. But at the end of the day, if you don't have any deal, you'd rather have one than mm. not. Mm. That's how I got that. So then on top of it, who else is wearing it? Nothing but NBA players. NBA players. So who am I now aligned with with a campaign? NBA players. Okay, then. So yeah. how does that not help me for the next deal? Yeah. Because remember, I ain't an NBA player, but I'm aligned with an NBA player. Yeah. NBA players in a campaign. Mm. That makes me more attractive for another brand to want to rock with me because they see other brands rocking with me and who my alignment is with. Yeah. Correct? There you go. It's chestnut checkers. It's chestnut checkers. <laughs> Add value. There you go. Let brands know that, you know what? He is marketable. He's with these NBA guys. Mm. They ain't looking at me like, damn, he's just a street baller. Will he mess up this opportunity? Yeah. Do we? Can we trust him? Uh, he's in a campaign with eight other NBA players. That's the guy. Done. He said, I think we might have to get one of those D-bands and recreate that look. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to D-band. <laughs> that was the first deal I actually had yeah. because in the park. Yeah, yeah. The first endorsement deal. Mm. Shout out to them. Somebody got to be first. They do. Hey, listen, like you mentioned, it was some other heavy hitters there as well. So No you, doubt. You weren't the only one. All right. More pieces to the puzzle of this Corey life and journey are starting to fall in place. We're going to have another great story next week. We're going to take a quick rape, Corey, and we're going to no come doubt. back with some more questions from our listeners. This should be fun. No doubt. All right, we are back, Corey, for the questions from our listeners and viewers. We had some fun with this one last week. Yeah. We had some really good questions, some really good questions that we didn't get around to answering, and we obviously had some more come through this week. Uh, we're going to start off with this one here from Rob. And Rob wants to know, you've come from obviously a basketball background, he says, and you transitioned into a media role. He wants to know, one, who were your inspirations to do this sort of thing? And how did you sort of get the confidence to be able to do this sort of thing as well? That's a really good question. <laughs> Once I got the contract. My first deal I signed, I signed the one plus one, right? People say, ah, oh, it's a two year deal. No, it ain't. It's a one year deal with an opportunity based on your performance to extend it another year. Mm. So it's a one year deal. I talk for a living. I did this before I had this role. I talked all my life. I've had cameras in front of me. Shout out to K1X. I was getting training in real time without knowing. Mm. Any, any league I played in internationally, 
imports are usually the best players and they usually perform the best, which means you're in the papers, you're getting interviewed, cameras in your face. Yeah. So during your professional career, if you're the guy, you're getting media training. I don't have to go to school for this. Yeah. I lived it. This is real life experience. I'm not the guy that needs to go to school to do it. I know, I know what I see. That's why I make the calls the way I make the calls. So when I got the opportunity, I was already confident because I've done this my whole life. I talk a lot. Anybody that knows me know, like, God damn, is Corey going to shut up? <laughs> this is what I do. So I knew I could do it. I yeah. was tailor-made for this. Plus, I played in the league, so I had the credibility, and I did my thing here. So no one could ever question when I'm saying these, which what some people say, these crazy things, yeah. you can't question when I'm calling a player out. You can't question it. My inspirations. The first gentleman who inspired me was a gentleman named Michael Strahan. Michael Strahan, to me, is an icon. New York Giants, Super Bowl champion. Holds like the most sacks in the season. But if you look at Michael Strahan today, you would have no idea he was a football player. Facts, yeah. He morphed into something more, a la LeBron James, more than an athlete. Yeah. And it was incredible to see him on Good Morning America. That's like me in Australia taking Kachi's spot. You understand? On, on Sunrise Australia? What's yeah. the name of it? Sunrise? Sunrise, I think, yeah. Sunrise. That's Michael Strahan today. Yeah. Yeah, he covers football, but like, I don't see him as a former football, a former athlete. I see him as like a just a guy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so he inspired me. I was like, okay, this sport got me to this point. Now it's time to take on a new challenge and a new role and become great in that space and do the work to become great in that space. And I'm still attempting to do the work because I've just jumped in this space. This yeah. is season six. People have been in this space for 20, 30 years. You know what I mean? So he inspires me every day. Jalen Rose. Yeah. I love cultural connoisseur. My OG. He inspires me every day. Steven Jackson, Matt Barnes. Yeah. Inspire me every day. Jalen is smooth. Jalen is like half hood, half like not professional. Posh, yeah. Polished. Yeah. Bro, right? So like that's that's where it's at. Because he's not far removed. You know what I mean? He's in Detroit. Yeah. He got a school, got foundations, putting it down and supporting, pushing the, the music forward. Pushing the culture forward, pushing hoops forward, pushing the lifestyle forward. That's the spot. Then you got Matt Barnes and Stack. Yeah. You know what I mean? Shout out to Steven Jackson. Like all the smoke. That right there is like we can be who we actually are. Yeah. And we can see us in that space and we can aspire to be that. Mm. There's a space for that. Yeah. You know what I mean? That that's dope. Mm. That's dope. I love Charles. I love Shaq. I love Kenny the Jet. Kenny the Jet's the OG. Kenny the Jet is the fine wine. You know, I love Mark Jackson. These are the guys that inspire me. 
You know I love you? Mark Jackson with Jeff Van Gundy. Those two are like a, a, a married couple. Yeah, yeah, it's like a comedy team. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's a married couple. And I love the fact that what they teach me is it's not about the game. Fans are going to watch the game. Every game is not going to be entertaining. How do I keep you engaged yeah. when you're down 30 and I don't want you to change the channel? And that is the hardest thing to do. It's the hardest thing to do. Yeah. But listening to them, it's like a married couple yeah, bickering. Yeah. You just want to watch that. People stay up late to watch Kenny the Jet, Ernie, Shaq, and Charles. Because it's entertaining. It's entertaining. Yeah. So I understood early sports and entertaining. And you know who I'm getting to last. I, do. I ain't leave them out. <laughs> I ain't leave them out. HBCU alum. I went to HBCU too. Shout out to Alabama State. Stephen A. Shout out to my man Kendrick Perkins. Number love. This is a rising star. Carry on. Back to Stephen A. Let me tell you why Stephen A is special. Because there ain't nobody like him. And what he's been able to do is he's birthed a lot of other guys that need to try. They're trying to be like him. He's fathered sons. <laughs> he's fathered, fathered sons. sons. <laughs> and like his energy every day, you better be ready. Yeah. Because he coming. Any one of us. You know what I mean? Like, he's a brother. He ain't a black man. He a brother. It's a difference. And he's bringing it every day. He's going to hold you accountable. He's going to entertain you. He's going to give you facts. He He's the guy who's like, let me hear what this, what this guy's going to say now. Shannon Sharp, I love them all. You know, I love Skip Bayless. You know why? I don't even think Skip believes he half the stuff he says. He doesn't. But it ain't about that. It's, it's about entertaining. Love him or hate him. You watching him. him. Yep. You watching him. You watching him. It's like, you know what? Let me get up tomorrow. Let me see what they talk about on first day. Let me hear this now. My team lost. Let me hear this nonsense he gonna say. LeBron had 50. Let me see what he gonna say about LeBron. You watching. You watching. So it's about the ability to not only state facts and give numbers, but can you move the crowd? Mm. Can you keep the crowd watching? They all inspire me. Yeah. Shout out to all of them. And I'm, um, I think I actually am a bit of, of them all. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like that, that, you that take a little cocktail. Bit, yeah. You take a little it's bit from that here, cocktail. take a little bit from there. You know what I mean? You yeah. sprinkle a little bit of that. It's that potion Gotta that get. when you take a sip, just dancing on your tongue, your palate. And it's just like, that's me. That's the ingredient. That's where I got the inspiration from, from them all. The ingredients are right. Uh, that was a good answer, Corey. And Thank you. I'm glad we've gotten that one cleared up. Next question we've got here comes from old mate Peter Warden. He wants to know, this one's going to be a good one too. He wants to know, he says, you've played all over the world. Who was your toughest ever matchup? And I'm, and you know what? I don't know if he means street ball matchup. or professionally, yeah, yeah, yeah. but we're going yeah. total. Yeah. You give us your toughest matchup ever. I'm going to give you my, my toughest, my two toughest international professional matchups. Yep. And my two toughest streetball matchups. Okay. My toughest international matchups. 
I called him. I said, listen, you are Hennessy. Smooth. <laughs> he is the Ray Allen. I call him the Ray Allen of the Middle East. His name is Dewarik Spencer. Shout out to my brother, D. Spence. This guy, anybody knows. He went to the Middle Let me tell you. He went to the Middle East because he loved blowing. He loved ganja. You know what I'm saying? And like he got banned <laughs> from Europe. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like that's why he was in the Middle East. Sure. He was on the best team, the biggest team in the Middle East. And I love play I like playing defense. Like, okay, this is the challenge. All right, cool. Let's go. Yo, I couldn't stop him. He finished with a he finished with like a light 30. A light 30. Okay. He smooth like Henny. Yeah, easy. And work. I'm talking about he was averaging like 37, 38. Like, like that. But it was just that the man loved the ganja. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I got nothing but love and respect from him. He should have been in the league. Yeah. Should have been in the league. He's on your league teams and all of that. Like he he was that guy. Yeah. Ask anybody about D. Spence, that guy. So he he was the toughest. Then the second toughest, man, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna go to the NBL. Okay. I was about to ask you. I'm gonna go to the NBL. The NBL I'm gonna go to the NBL. Yeah. The second toughest matchup. Taiwan McKee. Look, I'm sorry to even disrespect not saying the name right. I'm trying to think. Taiwan McKee. Taiwan McKee. Philly. Irkin Jerk. Kind of like Derek Walton Jr. Irkin Jerk. Just mad different gears. He's switching. Yep. Handle could shoot. He had everything. Played for Illawarra. We lost to them to go to the chip. But his back. He had a bad back. And he was done for maybe the last, I don't know third of the year or something like that. So he didn't play for the rest of the year, but yeah. they beat us on the road to go to the championship my third year when I got MVP. But he was tough. Mm. Couldn't figure it out. A little smaller, a little skinnier, Irk and Jerk, could shoot, get to the rack. He he had everything. Yeah. He was tough. That was my toughest matchup at the point guard spot in the NBL. He was got tough. MB, uh, street ball. Yeah. So I always said... I think I know who one of these is going to be. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to take Ron out the way. Forget Ron right okay. now. There was two players in street ball got the best of me. First guy. NBA Rookie of the Year. He averaged 20 points, five rebounds, five assists. Sacramento Kings. What is his name? Six, uh, from Memphis. Tyreek Evans. Tyreek Evans, yeah. 6'7". Yeah, yeah. Went to the rack, Burley. Hit me with the spin. Boom, boom. Layup. And I'm missing everything on the other end. Yeah. But, like, he gave me the business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He gave me the business. Rookie, and on top of it. Rookie season? Rookie year. Rookie, got rookie of the year. Yeah, yeah. After rookie of the year. Yeah. Coming to the summer, coming to the park. Gotcha. And he was, I was like, nah, I know he's going to the rack. He got to hit the shot. Yeah. <laughs> he was hitting the shot. <laughs> I was like... Woo! Tough. Yeah. Killed me. Killed me. Next player. King Dome. Kenny sure. Satterfield gave me the business. 
Shout out to Kenny mm. Sat. Shout out to the BX. Kenny Sat gave me the business. Mm. That was some. That was like a BX battle. Usually it's him and Bone Collector going at it because he played a point or whatever. Yeah. When we at Rucker. Yeah. But K Sat gave me the business at Kingdom. I never forget. All right, there you go. That one is answered there as well. Great question from Peter. Thank you for sending that one through. Uh, this one should be fun. Huh? This one's from uh, Nicoletta Sylvester. Greek uh, brother. Now, Nikki wants to know, what is NYC's best kept secret? You know what? You answer that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to let you answer that. All right. Please, I, please, not let you. Listen, pardon me. Can just, you answer that? Listen, please? for me, right now, I lived in New York, you know, as you know, Corey, for almost eight years. All of those eight years I spent in Queens. Right. All right. I love Queens. Lies. You're in the Bronx, too. I, well, my girlfriend, <laughs> she lived there. I spent a lot of time in the Bronx. Deep in the Bronx, too, no I doubt. might add. No doubt. Deep in Shout the out to the Jamaicans. Yes, sir. No doubt. <laughs> Jamaican <laughs> massive in the building. Yeah, done, no, my G. Um, Queens is very, very underrated, you know, because obviously, and, and now I'm speaking from a lot of Australian perspective, right? Because right. Australians go over. They where go they to, go? They go to Manhattan and they go to Brooklyn. Uh, where in Brooklyn they go? Williamsburg, Williamsburg. They go, they're all in Williamsburg. <laughs> but Queens is super, super underrated, yeah. man. Like I love it. If, Shout out to Queens. If and when I go back, I'm going straight back to Queens. Yeah. Like it's got everything there. Um, in the area that I was living in, that was very multicultural. Within a two week period, I had so many different types yeah. of food. Great people. It's safe. Um, I look. Get out to Queens. That's my thing. <laughs> Queens is New York City's yeah. best kept secret, man. <laughs> it ain't just the airport? Nah. It ain't. It's not just, it's not just LaGuardia. There's okay. a little bit more there. So that's that's my shout. I got a question for you. All right. What's the best party you've been to? In New York? In New York. <sighs> Any party I went to with you is <laughs> definitely a contender. <laughs> all right. All right. Let's go through. What's the best party you ever been with me? Like, what's the best? You know, we, look, look, look. Did a lot of we did a lot of stuff. We we did did a lot of stuff. So much stuff that I can't even remember. All right, how about this? All right, what's the, tell them about the first party that I took you to? The, I had you meet me. The Swiss Beats. Talk about it. All right, so because sometimes you know I think people might be thinking. Ain't no proof. Yeah. He lying. <laughs> you know, because a lot of time people get a microphone, yeah. kind of like rappers. Yeah. They be lying and, you know, because yeah, ain't no, no proof. Yeah, no, we're not, not studio gangsters over here. All right, all right. Let's talk about <laughs> yeah. it. Talk about the first party. First party. All right, listen. You met me at, and, and I called you. And, and like I mentioned in the promo that we had for this show, right, I said, whatever Corey talks about, he actually lives, right? So. I don't think this was a year that I hadn't moved. This was the year before I moved. Over you just to came to visit. I just summer. came to visit. And it was my first summer in New York too. So <laughs> Corey's like, we're going to go to a party tonight. I said, no worries. He goes, meet us there. So now the party was on uh, 42nd Street in between 11th and 12th. Or it was like right down yeah. the, the bottom of you know 42nd Street. Yep. So I turn up. Again, like not really knowing what this thing is. All Corey told me was it's a Reebok party. I'm like, all right, it's a Reebok party. So I'm at the front. I'm trying to hit up Corey, like, come and get me, you know, come and get me because I don't know anybody here. Corey's like, nah, just say this, this, and that at the front, and they'll let you through. 
don't let me through. <laughs> now, Corey obviously knew. So he's walking from the other side of the club to come and meet me at the front and take us to where the rest of our, you know, group was. I was, listen, I was, I was starstruck, right? I'm, I'm not even ashamed to admit it. It was like the first time I walk in there, Little Wayne's walking past. <laughs> it's Puff Daddy's there, Alicia Keys, Swizz Beats. Uh, I, I can't remember who else there, but, and Corey sees me from the other side of the room and he starts laughing at me. He's like, because <laughs> I was just like, like one of those clowns at the, <laughs> at the, yo, at the carnivals. Yo, that party, that party was crazy. It was Swiss Beats. First of all, it, it was, was a Reebok party with the sneaker launch with Swiss Beats and Re Swiss Beats. Shout out to Swiss and Reebok. But also Clive Davis was in the building, right? JMB was there. Puff and Cassie was there. Alicia Keys was there. Busta, Pharrell, Lil Wayne. Actually, I, that's when I had hit Liz up. Liz got Liz Campbell just got drafted, and that was the first, baby Liz. Yeah, that was. And the first I was like, Liz, I met Liz, pull up, Liz, pull up. Like, yeah. yo, this party was absolutely nuts. Not to mention, if I'm them, if I'm mentioning those A-listers, who else was in mm. there? That's how we do it. And and we walked out of there with like three pairs of sneakers yeah, yeah, each. Yeah, yeah, no <laughs> doubt, no doubt. Reeboks, of course. Shout out to Reebok. That was a good time. It was. That was a good time. Shout out to Squeezie. And that was, yeah, that was my first major <laughs> New York party. But then like once I moved over there and you used to come back for the summers, we'd always get into uh, a lot of mischief. So, yeah. So thanks to Nicoletta for that question as well. That was another good question uh, that I got to answer on that one there. Uh, we've got a question also, another good one, Corey. Like, our listeners are really coming through with the goods here. This one comes from old mate Forty. Uh, shout out to Forty. We're both good friends with him. Uh, he says, we all know there are some serious street ballers out there. What stops them from going pro? Is it contracts, discipline, mindset, or maybe not enough skill? That's a really, really good question. Um, I'm going to say it's, first of all, a lot of street ballers have great individual skills, but when it comes to fundamental skills in a team setting is where a lot of them lack. You know, some guys might have dropped out of school, but are super talented, so they're, they're good for the playground. That doesn't translate or transition to a formal setting. And a lot of them, that's not where you really traditionally recruit mm. talent. Yeah. You understand? If they're going to get you from the park, traditionally the pros, they look down on you because like you're like pretty much like the have nots. Yeah. You know, look at look at the movie Hustle. Like if you want to kind of get like an understanding of streetball if you don't understand it, Hustle, I might have watched that movie maybe about four or five times. A lot of my brothers were in it and it's it's close. It's close enough for me. Like I was proud when I watched it. I was like, yo, like this shit's pretty cool. And it gives the masses who may not have an understanding of street ball. And it's it's difficult. Everybody can't make it. Yeah. You know? The odds are actually pretty the small. The yeah. odds are like you couldn't bet and say, okay, this street ball guy can make it and do like there's no odds for that. Like that's how unfathomable it actually is. 
You know, a lot of guys are just, they can't make that jump. Just that's as easy as I can say it. It's mm. not, it's not an easy jump to do. Yeah. And that's it. It's not easy to do. All right. There's so many aspects of making it discipline. A lot of guys don't have the discipline. A lot of guys don't have the desire. A lot of guys don't have the skill set. A lot of guys aren't coachable. So many things in the team setting. A lot of guys can't do that. Yeah. Not easy. There you go. All right. Thank you to Forty for sending that question through. Uh, we've got another one here. Oh, this one's <laughs> curious to see what you're going to say on this one here. So Richard Turville says, what's the NBL franchise you'd like to play for apart from the Townsville Crocodiles? And Corey, as a lifelong North Melbourne Giants fan, you better say North Melbourne Giants. <laughs> this is an easy answer. North Melbourne Giants. Tasmania Jack ah, Jumpers, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, listen to me. There is no fan base more passionate in the NBL than those Jack Jumpers. I need to get to a game. That's how the that's how the Wildcats used to be. Used to be. They used to be like that. The Jack Jumpers. There is no fan base more passionate than the Tasmania Jack Jumpers. That would be the team. I would want to play for because those are the underdogs. I like that. I okay. love an underdog. I, I could have I could have seen you in Jack Jumpers Green, actually. No the, doubt. The, that was kind of like the Crocs. I kind of like the Crocs. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Last question we got here, Corey, and then we're going to sign off for, uh, for this episode. We've got one here from Kyle Daff who says, what are your thoughts on Australia compared to the USA? That's a good question. But I don't compare. It's two different things. You know, um, one, there are no guns here, so I'm safe. <laughs> <laughs> Always a bonus. <laughs> and like, Australia is, what I love about it is immigration. <laughs> They're so tough. Guess what? Motherfucker, you better pass these all 20 steps. You better tick them off. Oh, you ain't coming up in this joint. Mm. I love it for that. I love the fact that um, I'm at peace here. Look, I'm not easy to be at peace. Well, actually, I'm easy to be at peace. But I love everything that's happening here. Um, I got a little girl coming. Gabby's coming. Gabby is coming. Congratulations. Yeah, thanks. And uh, you know, work is work is great here. Um, I just feel like Australia is meant to be home. This is not my first time here. This is my second go around here. And it has played such a, a meaningful role in my life and in my family's life. I always thought about it when I left. It's kind of like that, that love, wouldn't say the first love, but like that, 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 the woman that you had a love affair with and you've had like an experience with and you guys left each other and you always thought about her. Yeah. Thought about each other and then you had a chance to reunite and it's like, we're going to make this work. That's how I feel about Australia and me. Corey Williams Straight in Australia, up. the classic love story. No doubt, no <laughs> doubt. And all we wanted, all we want the vibes to be is orgasmic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
That's the vibe I'm on. Hey. And if you ain't on that, leave me in Australia. <laughs> We're on that. <laughs> there you have it. <laughs> we ended it like that. Yeah, we ended it like that. <laughs> the vibe's orgasmic, baby. <laughs> Peace. Ha, 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 ha.